Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, this is Drewski. Uh, before we get to the show, I wanted to make an announcement. Um, we had a recent um, death in the cryptid family. Uh, as, you, as you guys well heard, uh, Scott Carpenter, uh, he was really big in the Bigfoot community and uh, boots on the ground researcher. So uh, he lived in here in Tennessee. Um, he was really big when it came to. Um, <laughs> Capturing a lot of things on camera, on his hikes, uh, on his uh, on his researching um, expeditions, stuff like that. Presenting a lot of uh, cases and um, just some good evidence, and uh, definitely leading the way at the tip of the spear when it comes to researching. Um, I hate that word, but <laughs> I'm gonna say it. But yeah, as a boots on the ground and um, and guys who go out there for expeditions, so. Uh, Anyways, um, but yeah, guys, uh, just wanted to um, send our condolences and prayers uh, to the Carpenter family. And uh, yeah, we're, I guess we'll we'll go ahead and just dedicate this episode to him. And it's and it's fitting because we have a boots on the ground researcher. Her name is Miss um, Ontario. She is a Midwest BFRO Bigfoot researcher. So. Alright guys, just want to let you guys know what's been going on, so, alright, well, this one's for you, Carpenter. We'll see you again, Scott. Um, alright guys, keep your heads uh, on a swivel, and um, yeah guys, um, just don't take life for granted. So, cherish your friends, love your family. Alright, let's get to the show. And if you have a story or encounter, shoot us an email or a detailed voice message to cryptidwarfare at gmail.com. That's C-R-Y-P-T-I-D-W-A-R-F-A-R-E at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cryptid Warfare and Conspiracies. I'm the host, Z-Baby, with my luscious and fabulous host co-host man who is the most hey what's going on guys this is drewski uh guys we got a awesome show for y'all tonight um for the guys you don't know uh i'm from the midwest as well from colorado it's awesome to have another midwest person over here west coast whatever you want to call it so we got an awesome guest on today her name is ontario richardson guys i'm gonna give you a little little bit of a bio on her real quick before we get into this okay ontario richardson is a bigfoot researcher based in eastern iowa she investigates and reports for the bfro throughout the midwest in states such as minnesota iowa nebraska illinois wisconsin and missouri 
She specializes in casting footprints. I'm going to talk to you more about that because that's good stuff. Sounds good. Yes, please. And uh, working with a long uh, duration of um, uh, records. Uh, She most recently has been working on writing an academic paper, which will encompass the details of her DNA collection from a possible Bigfoot hand and arm print. That's going to be, in the words of Zuck, that's going to be juicy. It's going to be some good stuff. Okay, professional professionally, Ontario manages a national account for the largest contract and security company in the world. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, prior to this, she worked as a law enforcement answering 911 calls, uh, 911 dispatcher. So thank you for your service. Appreciate that. Thank you. And, uh, yep, so we're just going to get going from there. Um, girl, thanks for coming on. We've been chit-chatting for a little while. So. Yeah on the IG, but, um, yeah, I appreciate your work and I'm really excited to dive into this because I'm curious about this paper you're writing and I'm curious about all this DNA you've collected. And you said you, I remember you and I were chatting earlier about how many footprints like you've casted. It's like double digits, correct? Um, no, I've done four. Okay, never mind. My I bad. Think, yeah, yeah, that's no, okay. <laughs> uh, I took that back. Sorry, man. never mind. <laughs> no, you're good. Give me some okay. more time. Yeah. All right, so I'm, I'm asking the first question. So, when did you start doing all this? So I first started getting into it. Oh, I don't know, a couple of years ago. But at that point, I was really just, you know, trying, just reading everything and listening to all the podcasts, watching all the shows. Um, just kind of soaking on in all the information. And then I started actually like getting out in the woods, like wholeheartedly for Bigfoot, probably coming up in about a year ago. Yeah. Uh, so not horrible long, but it's been, it's been fruitful time once you, you know, when you start getting out there quite a bit. What led you to wanting to, I guess, pursue something like this? Um, so I was doing the paranormal thing for for mm. quite a while um, before this, and you know it's they're just it wasn't anything tangible, you know that you could put your hands on quite like Bigfoot was, where you know you can pull something out of the ground. There's hair, you know, there's yeah. things to swab. It's not like all EVPs, um, like a lot of the ghost work was. So that kind of got me into it. Um, and I've had made a couple good friends online that are in the Bigfoot community too. And, and they were helping me look at the areas around me in Iowa. Cause you know, it's not really the first place you think of um, yeah. when, you're, when you're thinking Bigfoot, right? It's like it's only in the Pacific Northwest. Um, but we were able to find a park that is only about, I don't know, four minutes from my house. And I've pulled three of my four footprints from that park Hmm. um, as well as a lot of audio work from putting out long duration recorders out there as well what is your largest footprint you've casted so far like 16 god they're all usually right 14 to 16 um i have one that i think would would be a juvenile print if that's what it is but that one's like four or five inches what are some of the like because i know that there, there are larger ones out there What's the largest one you might have heard of? I've heard of people finding them in like 23, 24 inches. I have Ali, a, a hard time with that myself, <laughs> yeah. you know, jumping on that. But 
Um, I think like the, the 18 and 19 ones are some of the biggest ones that I've heard of that seems to still be in more of a believable range. Mm. So yeah, no, that'd be like a 11 foot Bigfoot if it was like two oh, feet. Like a two yeah. foot footprint. It doesn't. Yeah, I just that's a little much for me. But and Jeez, you're um, able to tell like by the size of the foot and the imprint in the ground, kind of. Like, yeah, I mean you can way. usually judge weight. Yeah, oh. you know what size of a creature would have that big of a foot. Man, dude, I'm fucking kicked in the face with like 23 <laughs> foot. Dang. Yeah, if there was anything that big, I, it'd have to be out somewhere in the mountains. It's nothing un, that's going to be able to hide in Iowa. I'll tell you that. Yeah. yeah. It's like a I'm one a, tree it hides yeah. behind. <laughs> Found it. Yeah, I'm just wondering if they're kind of just like migrating through there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they could be. It's a theory. <clears throat> um, I got the majority of my footprints in the park uh, a mile or so away in like february march i haven't really seen anything in there since then um i've gotten one knock in june but you know it's hard to go off of just you know just one thing and see if it's anything conclusive um so i think i think they were definitely here in february for sure um so it's been interesting the area i'm in is uh, kind of along the Wapsipinicon River, which goes through Iowa, it's a tributary of the Mississippi, and there's reports just all up and down the river. Um, so I think, that, I mean, they definitely move through, you know, the distance. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, I know the North American Wood Ape Conservancy guys, If you have you ever heard of them mm-hmm. over in the, the Wachita Mountains? Yeah. Yeah, so they have a, a paper called the Tag 7 Paper, in which they, you know, they believe that they tagged one of these things, um, which is a, a really fascinating read if you haven't read it. But that one, I think they said it was like a it, 60 miles. It was moving, you know, it stayed in the wow. same couple of valleys, but it moved up to 60 miles. So I think, yeah, I mean, they're definitely moving in my opinion. Cause about, you know, back in February, March, there really wasn't anybody else in that park you know, other than me, was there still snow on the ground? You know, if there were, they were all in the front half of the park. Nobody was in the back. Mm. And then as soon as it started really warming up, you know, a lot more people get in there and a lot more people are on the trails, all the activity really tapered off. So I think they've, they've moved different areas. Um, And, you know, I'm working a handful of areas in Eastern Iowa pretty hard but I haven't found anything quite conclusive yet. The most, you know, the most recent stuff I've had was up in Minnesota last month. Okay. So what'd you, okay. So, okay. So like, it's like before we go into that, uh, the handprint, I'm really, really ecstatic about that one. Um, so you said you met a couple of people, you actually go on a couple of research, um, like Mm -hmm. expeditions, stuff like that. How many guys you got on the team basically? Um, so I do predominantly most of my stuff's just on my own. Um, so, you know, everything in that park close to me, I've been doing on my own. Um, but I'm also a part of the Lowlands Bigfoot research group, um, which is, you know, a smaller thing, um, with some, some of my, you know, close friends that I've, you know, BFRO, so people who aren't in BFRO, but there's like 10 people in that group or so, uh, we don't do a ton of big expeditions together. But we'll, you know, we'll have offshoots of different people that, you know, we'll get a group of maybe three or four people who are free one weekend and and go out. Um, 
was it early July, me and a couple other um, members went up to, uh, well, the Iowa Finding Bigfoot episode. If you've ever seen that, it's up in Yellow River State Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, we went up there with a small group just over the weekend. So we'll yes. do little things like that. But, you know, if I'm doing a lot of night stuff, it's usually with the with the BFRO and I'm, you know, helping lead smaller groups. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, I'm not huge safety wise on being out in the dark by myself. Yeah, know? that's yeah. Uh, yeah. That's yeah, I'd advise <laughs> not to do that, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A gun's a gun's great when you can see what you're shooting at, but yeah. Yeah, I know, right? So, okay, so I'm we're, we're both prior law enforcement. So, um I'm sure when you go out, you always carry, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was really about to get into this. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I just right. uh, yeah, so I have a, a Glock 43 and a Glock 19, depending gotcha. on what I'm doing. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got a Glock. I got a Smith & Wesson 40. So, yeah, I'm just. Nice. Yeah. Yep. As I say, it gets I, don't think, I don't think my 9mm bullet's going to do anything with them. No. <laughs> but, just but, uh, just going to. Just gonna piss it off. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But it was, it was kind of funny because uh, we we're talking to uh, God. God, how long ago it was? We we're actually on her podcast, but we we're talking about like the chemical makeup of like Bigfoots and Dogman and stuff like that. Just mm-hmm. like the the hair, the hide, the skin, and even like the bone structure of and like what type of like right. yeah, of, like what type of like what type of like ammo you would need for like penetration on that thing. If they do Something get hostile, that would kill a grizzly in my opinion, but. basically, yeah. Anything that would take out a grizzly or an elephant, mm-hmm. that's what you would need. So, so all the times we've went out and my two, two, three, five, five, six, I'm like that, this isn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> this, See, you know, this isn't enough. <laughs> and you think, you know, you think about if you ever did, right. Yeah. And, but I, I mean, I don't think that there's ever just one of them. No, I think not. that there's mm-hmm. there's multiple, right? I mean, yeah. you get, you know, especially when you go into places like new places, it usually if you do get knocks, it's right when you go in or you usually right when you leave. Yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, scouting. a sentinel or something. Um, but I think, yeah, if you shot one, you killed it, great. But it's going to be the one that you're not seeing that's going to be the big issue. Yeah, you got to worry about the other four. <laughs> and not only that, too, if it's like a juvenile, too. That's the thing you really got to worry about if it's a juvenile because old mama and daddy are going to be pissed. Yeah, I don't imagine it'd be much different than how a bear would react. Yeah, man. Yeah, we've had a couple of close calls on, on our Bigfoot hunts, but yeah, it's, yeah, I don't, yeah, you just, I, sometimes I'm like, what the, what, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's fun though. Um, but anyway, so, so you got in the BFRO. So what was your first, um, so how was your first interaction with the BFRO, like when you first got on? Did they ask really you? Did you volunteer? It. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I knew um, one of the guys who was doing a lot of stuff in Iowa. His name was Steve Moon. He's not doing as much stuff anymore um, with, you know, with the BFRO. He's out all the time on his own. But I had grown up with with him next door. Mm-hmm. And he he is part of that, that Lowlands Bigfoot group also. So he had kind of introduced me to the fact, um, I went on the, you know, the, I was the Iowa spring Bigfoot trip. And I had also been talking, um, with some of those, the people that I was telling you at the beginning, um, Russ Jones out in West Virginia too, you know, he'd been helping me look for, you know, look for good viable research areas around me that I could get to all the time. 
Um, and, you know, we had just been talking that that, that next progressive step was going to be talking to witnesses. And the easiest way to do that is going to be um, trying to get on with the BFRO too. So when on the, the first expedition in Iowa, I usually have to go on at least at least a couple to get on. Um, so then the man who organized that, Bob Barheit, him and Steve Moon, you know, wrote, you know, letters of recommendation from then, you know, when they found out that I wanted to be on there and they found out I was serious about it. Um, so, you know, a couple of weeks later, I was able to, to get on and, and start taking reports. So, um, okay, so I kind of, I've actually had a couple of friends that are in the BFRO, stuff like that here in Tennessee, but I kind of figured it's kind of like MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. You basically go mm -hmm. out, you investigate, you talk to people who've had encounters. You're basically just doing just like detective work, am I right? Yeah, Okay. Yeah, I listen to people, you know, and, and the dispatch thing helped exponentially with that. Yeah. Um, you know, because I've gotten used to what people do when they lie to me on the, on the phone, yeah. you know, <laughs> start, yeah. start yeah. seeing through it. But uh, uh, no, I mean, I've, I haven't talked to anybody who I think was just, you know, outright lying or anything like that. But yeah, that helped quite a bit too, just talking to people. Um, yeah. And, you know, for, for a while, I was focusing on just getting through the, you know, backlog of Iowa reports that hadn't had anybody touch them in a while and um, finished all those. And I've, I've started getting into the, the uh, you know, backlog for the other states, too, and then taking all the new ones when they pop up. Yeah. What was the, um, what was like the, um, have you ever had like a really, really like close call? Um, I don't know if I'd call it a close call. I had it. A really um, weird scenario. I think it was maybe only the second or third time I went out. It was February, and it, there was still snow on the ground. But it's the first time it, it really warmed up in Iowa, and um, so you know snow was melting. There's a lot of mud um, starting out on the bank. So I thought you know it might be a good footprint day. Yeah. Um, so I went and just picked a trail that um, went all the way to the rear of the park and kind of went along the river. Um, walked in and I bet, I don't know, maybe 50 yards into the trail, I heard, I was just, I had stopped to listen to all the different sounds around me. So I get an idea of what, you know, what birds were out there, what animals were out there that I could hear. And to my right, I heard like, a, I mean, it sounded like a bat against a tree. I mean, it was like 100% a wood knock. There wasn't any way to mistake that, you know, maybe 10 you know, 10, 12 seconds later, there was another one off to my left on the other side of the trail. Yeah. yeah. So that was, you know, that was really peculiar. Um, so then I worked that trail back and, you know, Russ and I had, had found an area in that park. I think we mapped out three different places to, to check out. Um, so I worked back into one of those valleys and was just kind of walking up, up the hills off trail and, I saw, uh, it, I mean, it looked like a footprint. It had, you know, the snow had been pushed to the side, but there was like toe marks that were pushed into the mud. Mm -hmm. um, so I cast that um, and we're, we're in the process of moving in like a month or else I'd show you guys that print, but it's out in the storage unit right now. Um, Get ready for some monster size entertainment with no pesky ads. Subscribe to our Cryptid and Conspiracies podcast for just a few coins a month.
and listen to all the spooky tales of the unknown creatures and conspiracies in commercial-free bliss. Get your subscription now and join the hunt for the truth today. Link in the show notes. But that was that was interesting. And when I was casting that, I had a tree get pushed down off to my right, maybe 50 yards away. Yeah. You know, so, you know, just those three separate pieces of evidence really in, you know, in close proximity. And I was like, man, you know, I thought it was supposed to be harder than this to have these <laughs> things happen. <laughs> you know, and yeah, I, I have yeah. never gotten quite that much in such a, you know, a short amount of time since then. But yeah, it yeah. seems like it was just like, bam, 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 bam. They're just laying like breadcrumbs yeah. everywhere for you. I, th- I mean, I, you know, if you're trying to think of what they'd be thinking, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they were surprised that somebody was in there and pushing that far back. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in the cold and the snow. Um, down in southern Iowa on the BFRO trip, we were working uh, working a dirt trail, and I was with, you know, the Bob Barheit, that leader, and I think we had two other people with us. And, you know, we had heard really, you know, soft whoops in the distance. Um, we had gone to the end, and came back towards the start and there was this and a weird bundle of sticks which you know it was right on the middle of trail so it was probably people but I had stopped I was like hey I want to take a picture of this and I I had tripped and stepped on it and it crunched it and then we had something throw a rock out of the wood line at us just land right next to Bob's foot that was really interesting um and then I guess to to backtrack that one I forgot the first part is we, we weren't even supposed to be on that trail. We were looking for a different trail mm-hmm. and we had, you know, Bob was getting flustered because we were taking like three, three wrong turns by that point, <laughs> but we pulled in and went to pull back out on the highway and we had the windows up on our vehicle, but the, there's a couple behind us who had their, their windows down on his truck. And as soon as we pulled out onto the highway, there was just two really, really loud, crisp wood knocks that, we had gotten on recording, so it was really interesting too. Um, you know, when, once we had heard that from them, we turned around and went back to the trail, and it's the one that we recorded the wood knocks on, um, whoops, and had that little rocket thrown out at us, which was interesting. So, what was was the environment and the atmosphere like whenever that stuff started started happening? Like, did you get any sort of like like did your senses go off, or was the environment? quieter than normal like was the wind like did the wind stop or um i don't know about the wind we had had a whippoorwill which is a you know a type of bird that was going the majority of the time we were on that trail um but towards towards the end i think it had cut out Hmm. Um, but you know and but you do you do hear that quite a lot um and in a lot of my recordings too when you do start hearing those things in the background it does tend to get quieter it's kind of like you know the forest takes a breath almost yeah, it's kind of like when you know when like a predator's around, you know, when everything mm-hmm. just shuts off and you're like, oh, yeah, something's going on. I know you're like, you're listening yeah. to frogs and stuff and all of a sudden you hear nothing and it's like, uh, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right, man. And, and, and you were with somebody whenever you heard the first knock. Um, in the, the one where we got, I got the footprint. Mm-hmm. No, I was by myself for that one. It was during the day. Okay. Yeah, girl. so most of most wow. of my stuff. You got some out, cojones, yeah. girl. Hey. <laughs> no, she's got Glock. Yeah, <laughs> she got she got Glock, man. Helps the confidence level a little bit, yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we got, you know, I've had coyotes run really close to me and those, you know, they can get kind of ornery sometimes and, you know, we'll get, we'll get the occasional mountain lion too in Iowa. So. Oh man. Better better be prepared. Yeah. Haven't seen any mountain lions since Colorado. They ain't got nothing down here in Tennessee. Yeah. They're they're around. They show up. Yeah. Eastern Iowa for sure. And I don't know if you've ever seen on the news, but there's that mountain lion in like some residential neighborhood in Nebraska that somebody's gotten on their ring doorbell like three or four times. I think I've seen that. They had it on, uh, it was MSNBC or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. I know what you're talking about. Um, okay, so it's, it's kind of funny because BFRO, we, I mean, Zook and I met one, one of the guys, the first time we ever heard of BFRO, it was like 2015, something like that. But mm-hmm. we actually met a dude at this thing called Crypticon we went to. Mm-hmm. We got all his information and stuff. We're gonna We're actually going to go with him on a, on a Bigfoot research expedition. And he's like, you guys can, you guys are all good to go. Just don't bring guns. And we're like, what? Yeah. yeah I don't it's like I don't, certified trips. Yeah. They don't. Um, yeah. Cause they said they can smell like the gunpowder and all that and stuff. I'm like, well, I'm sorry, I think dude. a lot of it's probably the worry that you know, not everybody's obviously trained in how to use a weapon. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you don't want some, you don't want some, some guy who doesn't know anything spooked in the dark you know when yeah. a rabbit runs by and how start firing rounds off into the woods i think yeah i don't want no desk yeah. pops going on <laughs> <laughs> no no but you know when but i mean you can keep them in your cars they're pretty pretty good with that yeah. um, you know for the the trip in there and such but yeah no i mean if it's not you know not a, a bfro you know certified trip yeah i mean i always have it always have it on me um, I guess that saying is when daddy don't know, don't hurt him. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So, okay. So the DNA, let's see what you got here. Gosh, dang girl. You're like a God, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska. Okay. So have you, you've been to all these States, correct? I've done expeditions on these, in these States. Um, not or interview or in interview them, people. But I'm taking witness reports from all of them, but gotcha. you know, I've, I mean, I've been to all of those states, you know, a big handful of times. Um, the, you know, I've I've done it and done the the trip in Minnesota. That's where the handprint was, and uh, we're you know, right on the border of Wisconsin. Yeah, with that so, as well. Um, and one of my areas in in eastern Iowa, you know, touches Wisconsin and Illinois and and all that good stuff too. So. Um, you know, I think there's not, I don't think Bigfoot's pay attention to the state lines, right? They're just going to us wherever they can, yeah, wherever the food's at. Yeah, it's going to go on through. How many reports uh, on average do you get a week? Uh, or a month? They come in spurts, weirdly mm. enough. Um, the last big spurt of reports came in around 4th of July weekend, but I think you know, those things happen when there's more people out, you know, on the water, out, you know, recreating. Um, and, you know, I've, I've a couple have trickled since then. Um, a week, maybe, maybe one, if I'm not going back through the old reports, because, you know, when I don't have anything new pop up um, in flats is what it's called. Uh, mm. I'll, I'll go back through uh, you know, all the records and look for notable ones. Um, I'll look for ones that say they have pictures of things, um, whether they think they have a picture of a Bigfoot or they have pictures of a footprint. 
I'll usually reach out to those people first and see if I can get, get their pictures uh, sent to me before I start talking to them. So I kind of, you know, it saves you a lot of time when it's, you know, clearly a stump in the wood line. Yeah. You know? But uh, one, one good one I got from a picture lately was down in Southern Nebraska. Uh, it was, pre- I mean, pretty much touching Kansas, but this this guy had a, a cabin and he was down there with his family towards the end of the winter early spring and he said there's you know about 90 different cabins around there but there were not that many people there at that time but they had gone there to kind of get it cleaned up for the season and they had been you know grilling that day um, and I think another important part of the story that I uncovered after I talked to him was that there was a, an, an older woman, two cabins down that had been putting food out for the wildlife throughout the summer and fall, and then left for the winter. Um, but I think it, he said it was like 10 30, 11 PM at night. They were, his whole family was sitting in the living room watching a movie. It was just him and his daughter who were awake. He was sitting in his recliner and he hears something just run, throw its whole weight into the side of their cabin. And like hard enough that it knocked all the pictures off that wall. Um, and, you know, he, he said, you know, he grabbed his rifle and ran outside and they found a wet footprint, Bigfoot footprint, um, like two feet off of where, where it hit. And he looked up and about, I think he said six foot two, six foot three inches up that the siding was damaged. Mm. Yeah. Which was interesting. Six foot three. Yeah. That'd be the that'd be the shoulder ramming in. Yeah, there. yeah. He said he played college football. And he said it sounded like something linebacked into the the side of his cabin, but it yeah. wasn't. You know, it wasn't wasn't there when he was gone. Um, but the the grass outside his cabin was dewy, and it had stepped on a concrete pad. Hmm. Left so that foot, was left like yeah, a left wet, a footprint, left a wet footprint, and he yeah. took a picture of it and sent it over. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you mind? Sending me that on IG or no? I can, yeah. I'll okay, cool. That'd be awesome. Man, that's yeah, that's gonna be cool. Um dang, that's a good one right there. Shoot, I don't yeah. know what the heck I would do. Yeah, there's there are just gems just sitting back in old reports. Yeah. Um, you know, that either you know somebody looked at and didn't think anything of it or um, you know, it just hadn't been touched. Because there, you know, there just isn't a lot of people, you know, yeah. in the Midwest mm-hmm. that are doing this. You have you gotten any? Um, oh gosh, I'll just throw it out there. You ever got? Okay, we're gonna sidetrack a little bit. What do you think about Dog Man? I think I don't want to run into it. In the okay, woods. cool. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, the reason why I asked because I noticed uh, there's a lot of mixtures between Bigfoot sightings and Dog Man sightings, and Mm-hmm. People thinking they've seen a Bigfoot. In reality, it could be a Dogman. Could be a Dogman. Could be a Bigfoot. Like going through like your reports that you get gather and all that. As if you came across anything like that. Nope, no Dogman ones. I've um, uncovered some strange alien ones. Um, oh, that, yeah, that That's weren't. <laughs> you know, they weren't tied necessarily to Bigfoot, but they come out. So much comes out in conversation just when you're talking to these people. You know, you might finish it like, oh, yeah, well, if you're interested in aliens, let me, can I tell you this? And, you know, I just let them go on and some really interesting things come out. Yeah. 
Um, so this guy uh, was from Mexico, but he had lived in Minnesota for for like 30 years. So he's been here a long time. And and we had started talking, you know, because he had thought he, he had found a, a Bigfoot footprint in Minnesota. Um, but it was like the least interesting part of that conversation. <laughs> Funny enough, but uh, he he had said so. He lived in Mexico when he was when he was a little boy, um, and his dad delivered fruit on a semi, and they'd go out to these really remote areas, and they had um, so they were delivering that stuff, and he was riding with them in the semi because he you know he really wanted to see what the sky looked like outside of town, and they had stopped at this house, and he his dad went in to eat dinner with the family and he had said he just you know I just want to sit out I just want to look at the sky you know sit out the semi and so he was looking at just watching the moon he's like man this looks different you know than it does in town and he you know the longer he watched it he realized that it was you know it was small and it was slowly getting bigger yeah and so he got out of the truck and looked up and he saw you know I was to his right maybe you know what was the actual moon and this thing just kept you know getting bigger she ran inside to get his dad and um because he he said he thought like the world was going to end that whatever this was was gonna hit you know hit the earth and he so he looked up and it was like a you know like a, a yellow glowing but then it had like blue rings kind of around it like a like an ambient light and then he said it kind of looked like glitter but he he explained it that once he you know watched along and it looked like these little lights that were coming off this thing and then eventually this light disappeared slowly and then it was only these little like flying silver things around it but then that next day he was in town and just just walking down the road by this hotel and he said he saw like seven or eight NASA jeeps pull out of this place and he's like well that's you know well that's weird he's like I wonder you know I wonder if it's related to that thing last night and then later later that day he was at his house with his family and his grandma had asked him you know to go and get some milk and bread or something and he had seen down the road this big grouping of people of like 80 people and this thing was back in the sky Mm -hmm. in a different area and uh yeah. Uh, yeah so they had watched it for a while and then it had kind of started like just moving and left right and he couldn't see it um and that's spot anymore she's so like yeah i guess show's over so he left and he walked back to his <laughs> house but then he could see like over over like the fields that had moved way back in the hills and it was just like flying around the hills we said that you know there wasn't any highways or anything over there um but he called it like the sonar de silencio area um Hmm. you know and i i kind of dug into some of the historical records of what he was talking about and a lot of it was popping up of these things that happened um but the governments the u.s came in uh, and had said that they had launched a rocket from you know utah or, or actually i think it was new mexico um, and they said, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's what this is. Stay away. You know, it's dangerous. Lies. All lies. Sounds so reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Sounds familiar yeah. right now, yeah. Yeah, sounds a lot familiar, yeah. I wonder, it almost sounds like an orb or something like that, but yeah, but yeah, UFOs, man, they come in all shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. Tell you what. Yeah, that's interesting, man, really interesting. Mm. Kind of makes me think, like, like still, even though I know it was a separate kind of experience, it, it's interesting how somehow between so many eyewitness mm-hmm. accounts and just other evidence but there seems to be a sort of correlations somehow like and in yeah. bigfoot some people are more open to it yeah mm-hmm. like kind of makes me think like what exactly is bigfoot like i don't know yeah i don't know i'm i'm in the you know bigfoot being a physical thing i think it's oh yeah uh, you know a wood ape of some sort which would probably be a hominid mm-hmm. um, probably more more monkey than person in my opinion um, you know, but there are, there are a lot of weird things that get reported, um, around Bigfoot. I haven't talked to any witnesses personally, um, that have reported any, you know, any just direct correlations, you know, between orbs, um, and Bigfoot or, you know, Bigfoot just disappearing or anything like that. Um, so as of now, right, we can only speak to our own personal experiences. So, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, true. As of now, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of weird though. It's kind of like um, I know it's like in certain regions of regions of like the United States, like certain things happen. Like here in the South, you we talk to a lot of people where they see like a lot of orbs and then like a lot of Bigfoots with it. So a lot of them think it's kind of alien, kind of spiritual. And then you go up into the Northwest, they're huge, they're physical, they're huge. Mm-hmm. And then also in like the Midwest, same thing. They're like more physical. And I don't know. I think it just depends on the variations of. I guess people you talk to and mm-hmm. like their backgrounds and whatnot. I don't know. It's yeah, pretty, I think pretty interesting. If, it, if anything's <clears throat> supernatural related, I'd say dog man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel stable. I, <laughs> I know, agree. Not many one hundred percent. Yeah, dog man encounters. It's usually. Yeah, because I know. Malicious. Yeah, because I know. Like on like a lot of reports, like Bigfoot have been shot. They have been killed. Mm-hmm. Dog man. You read in reports. You see I the bullet, yeah. like, like with Dogman, like talking to a couple people, you've seen bullets they've stated that have hit the thing, and dust flies up. Like you know how it is when you shoot something, and you see this, you see it a little bit, mm-hmm. but they just look at you like, like what, like what are you doing? Yeah. You know, and not, not only that, like I want to piss off yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then also you know, like the fear they have, it's like a certain type of like primal fear they have, like mm-hmm. it's an like evil fear they have whenever they see Dogman, but yeah. Bigfoot, it's really not so much like that. Yeah, I think, you know, and for Bigfoot too, I think, you know, some, you know, some dogs, right, are just, you know, more, more mean, right? You know, some mm-hmm. are really sweet, you know, all animals, I think, have, have a personality yeah. on some level. And, you know, some are just grumpier than others. And I think that's probably, a you know, a thing with Bigfoot is, that, mm-hmm. you know, there's probably dangerous Bigfoot out there. Um, yeah, I think, real- you know, it just, it, you know, it depends on the personality. Um, you know, the David Pilates, I'm sure you guys have. Oh, yeah. Missing 411. Yeah. Stuff. Oh, dude. Um, I think he said like a, there is either like two to five percent he thinks could be directly related to Bigfoot. Um, but that's, a, you know, that's a decent amount, too. You know, that is some people that are disappearing. And, and, yeah. you know, you hear about like the, like these, like these little kids that get, you know, just disappear. Right. And then they show mm-hmm. back up and they're like, 
you know, they're, where did you go? And, you know, oh, a bear was taking care of me. You yeah, know, and, and yeah. they're crossing these deep rivers, you know, and it's like something isn't adding up here. Like, I know. Yeah, and they end up exactly right where they're, they've been searching mm -hmm. for the past two weeks, you know. Yeah, and yeah. man, just getting into 411s, it's so weird, like those stories. The one mm -hmm. that really stuck out to me was, uh, I mean, the boy did pass away, but I think it was during summer. And he, they, you know, when they found his body, he was tucked up high on this uh, – on this cliff face and there's no way he himself could have got there, but he ended up dying of hypothermia of all things. Yeah. Yeah. The ones that stick out to me are, you know, these people that, you know, take off their shoes. And usually when people go mm -hmm. hypothermic, you know, they get warm, mm -hmm. start feeling yeah. warm. Um, and they take off their clothes, but, but the, you know, the, I don't remember where it was, but he had taken off his boots and had, you know, his body was found up a, a pretty sheer rock face. And put his feet, no cuts on them. Yeah. You know, which is darn near impossible in my opinion, mm -hmm. you know, crossing rock and mm -hmm. sharp, no sharp snow, sharp ice, all those things. But it's, yeah, there's some really strange ones out there. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. I think it was this one I was hearing on YouTube, but David Plyas was talking about how he was doing an investigation in California towards like the sequoias and all that. Mm -hmm. There's these two hunters that like, went missing and they finally tracked it and they found them, but their rifles were bent and they were stuffed up in the tree in like this little pocket of this tree. That's but they strange. were like, but they were like, like almost like a puzzle, like, like broken and everything yeah. into this tree. And they saw them with like one of their arms and their legs sticking out and they pulled them out. So yeah, that's where actually, you know, if it was, you know, if it's, you know, grizzly bears typically will bury their food, right. They're not putting mm -hmm. them up in a tree. Um, you know, cats might come up in a tree, but I don't think a mountain lion's going to bend a rifle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You got to have opposable thumbs to do right that. There. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, it doesn't probably add up. Got old giant raccoons out there, Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. So, all right. I want to get into this. Um, what is it? Okay. On your academic paper. So yes. you said it encompasses the details of your, of the DNA collections and possible Bigfoot, uh, hand, hand, hand and arm prints. Um, are you ready to level up your podcast game? Introducing Superpass, the ultimate all-in-one platform made by podcasters for podcasters. Imagine having access to a sleek website builder, the most powerful content app maker on the market, engaging courses, a thriving community, Patreon, and, and exclusive membership perks all in one place. With a Netflix-inspired layout that's both professional and creative, Superpass is the perfect place to grow your audience and take your podcast to the next level. Don't miss out. Join the Superpass revolution today. Check out superpass.com and get a two-week free trial. Link in the show notes. So what are you trying to... I want to know what your objective is with this. Uh, my objective is there's a big DNA study going on right now. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard about that or not at North Carolina State University. I was kind of being orchestrated by a guy named Darby. I heard, I heard you talk about that on your IG, on one of your pages. Yeah. So yeah. this is, you know, it's it's a big one. They have a lot of, you know, you know government funding that the DNA studies that have happened up until this point haven't had. Um, and it's going a lot deeper 
and it all kind of happened, you know, weirdly coincidentally that all these things kind of happened around the same time. But, you know, when I, when I swabbed that, right, the, the whole goal is to, to lift, um, they're called skin surface lipids and SSLs. Um, you know, people for a, you know, for a while we were calling it sebum, Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, talking to, to the, you know, DNA professionals and the people who work with, you know, the skin surface, um, DNA cells is a more appropriate word for it is, you know, SSLs or skin surface lipids. So I'm trying to change my vocabulary a little bit with that. Um, but you know, getting, getting those sent to the university is a a big goal of mine right now. Um, so it can, you know, it could take part in, you know, a really historic study um, of, of some very intelligent people who are interested in anomalous phenomena, um, you know, whether that's, you know, Bigfoot or something else. Um, so grand scheme of things, right. It'd be, it'd be great to play a part in, in getting this recognized as a biological species oh, um, scientifically. Yeah. yeah. That would definitely close the books on a lot of things and just have it focus on one thing scientifically. But, um, are you going to send all your, uh, all basically all of your, um, all of your DNA samples to that specific place or you're going to yeah, pull some so of it I back? Kind of go through that. So, so I think, cause I think you need the bigger story for that. So, so Tuesday night, um, you know, the BFRO trips usually go from Thursdays to Sundays. Um, mm. I typically try to arrive on Wednesdays a day earlier um, but the woman whose car that this, you know, handprint was left on arrived Tuesday. And she, um, she was one of only two other people in the whole campground at that point. Um, the expedition leader was, was there, but at, you know, at a distance down, down the campground. And then there was one person pretty far off who wasn't related to the expedition. So she, you know, she got there Tuesday afternoon you know, ended up going into her 10 around 7 p.m. She was asleep by nine. And and in the paper too, I, I have a timeline of when all these things happened, um, you know, to make a good case for the fact that I think this did happen Tuesday night. Um, but, you know, Bob Barheit was the expedition leader on that one too. Him and the other BFRL woman who were there early had left uh, the camp to go on a preliminary night ops before everybody got there on Thursday. So they, yeah. you know, it, I, I think it was one of two times, uh, you know, somewhere around 1030 or, you know, 1130 or after, but they were gone, right, for this first window of time. Um, but, you know, after that, they had, they had gone to sleep, too. And the nice thing was that was, you know, Bob had an Apple Watch, too. So we were able to tell, you know, by his heart rate, you know, what time he was asleep. Um, so we could better pinpoint the time. Um, but so it's a funny thing is it's a miracle that we still got this handprint by the time we found it. Cause she didn't see it Tuesday. She didn't see it all day Wednesday. I got there Wednesday afternoon. We had gone out the group of us Wednesday night to check out another area that we we're going to bring people to. And she stayed in her car um, that night she just didn't, you know, she just hung out and was listening to sounds around her. She didn't want to walk. And we had gone back to the cars pretty late. Um, Bob made the comment. He's like, Helen, I think I see something like on your car. 
but she just said she was too too tired to check what it was, you know, and I didn't hear him. And so it was Thursday afternoon by the time she saw this handprint on on her car. Um, and she went and got Bob and Bob, you know, had her come get me so we could, you know, take pictures, get some measurements and and swab it. So I had, I didn't have a good DNA kit. You know, it's something that I had been thinking about that I didn't have. You know, it's this, you know, you think you need to do it, but you just don't get around to it. Yeah. So I, what I did have was sterile gloves in my kind of some first aid stuff. So I used those. Um, and then we kind of cobbled a, a DNA kit together uh, with some Q-tips from another expedition attendee. And uh, we made a, like a paper envelope because you're really only supposed to use non-acidic paper, like ground paper, paper bags, because <coughs> like plastic, it can encourage mold growth, which will really deteriorate the quality of the DNA. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, you know, we just folded up a notebook paper envelope and swabbed this thing. We got three swabs uh, after we photographed it, two of which were sent to Doug Hychek, uh, which I'm sure you guys have heard of his name. Um, so he's mm-hmm. working on that Legends Meet Science too. Yeah. And kind of looking yeah. at, uh, you know, DNA and, and SSLs. Um, and then one is being held back for the university to be included in the DNA study. Um, so that's, you know, on ice in my freezer right now, which, you know, it's just like, Check. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah. And it was, you know, it was weird and it, it looked like a person's handprint. Right. But down the arm, uh, I mean, we're ab- absolutely for, for hair marks running down, you know, at the base of it. Um, and, and, and more of those markings kind of off of where I think an abdomen could have been, you know, when it pressed up her, against her car, because she had a bunch of her food to where, where that thing was looking in the window, mm. which was interesting. And uh, I don't know if you guys watch any of the, the you know, the small town monster stuff, but their oh, most yeah. recent saga um, for the, you know, the mountain monsters, West Virginia, Les Odell was on there <clears throat> and they have what looks like pretty much exactly what I got on the car in Minnesota left on theirs in West Virginia, which was really interesting to me. Um, but that, so that same, that same park, we pulled a pretty amazing footprint from, um, all within the same nine mile area, which was interesting um you know we had found that that footprint it had rained like exceptionally hard the night before and so we thought it'd be a good day to go look you know along the riverbanks and some of the muddy trails for footprints um and you know we had we're just walking walking the riverbanks and I kind of just you know moved off from where everybody else was and I was kind of getting into the weeds and there it it looked weird enough but I was like you know this might be something but it wasn't obviously a footprint when it was pressed into the mud, but it's, it's a good example of the one in doubt cast it out method. Um, and we did, and you can, I mean, you can see a heel, you can see the mid tarsal Ridge from, you know, the, the mid tarsal pressure pressure point, you know, when they, mm-hmm. when they move, it kicks up a Ridge of, you know, whatever substrate they're walking on that makes a Ridge. Um, we pulled that from that. Um, and then, 
15, 20 feet away along that riverbank, one of the other guys on the expedition who had just kind of continued walking past me uh, saw a game trail with some like clamshells down in just at the water, the river's edge. And we walked back up that game trail into the, into the grass. And I think, I mean, we think we found a bedding site where these things have been sleeping. Yeah. They're actually Uh, known for like the clamshells. Yeah, and the yeah, so there's a bunch of saplings that and, and fern leaves around there that were snapped off at the bases and laid down on top of the flood grasses. Um, and, you know, these just you know, it's probably a thirty to forty foot area of you know what what could be beds. Um, and those clamshells that we saw in the river, there was a big cache of them over in like the the rear far corner of it, um, mm. just piled up. You know something had been eating them and and one thing we you know we looked for was you know droppings or, or excrement right because if it's deer like deer will lay down in tall grass and push it down right but mm-hmm. deer will you know, crab wherever they're walking right and so will bears um and there was none of that we didn't find any hair you know i i wish it wasn't like six hours away so i could get back up there and kind of you know look through these things a lot a lot closer but Shane Corson from the Olympic Project's been been looking at those photographs with me and trying to piece together the similarities that, you know, that they're saying up here and and that are popping up in other bed sites as they arrive. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, all over the U.S. Damn. And then, uh, yeah, and then that actually that I think it was Thursday night we were, we were walking a trail um, and I, I was leading a group of four and two, you know, we split up to go into smaller groups. Uh, me and one other person went along this grass trail and the other people kept walking down this gravel road. And I was like, you know what the heck, let's just do a knock. So we found a good dead tree and we knocked on it. And exactly eight seconds later, something knocked back to the mm. north of us. And we did it one more time after that and something else knocked to the west and then you know and then we were looking down and we found bear prints so we turned around so i didn't want to run into one of those in the middle of the night but yeah but you know and and i think you know the big the big part of this is the handprint right and collecting dna but i think all those other pieces of evidence are important to include in that uh, because you know it ties an even better argument so the fact that these things could be there, um, that I think if the handprint just does solely on its own, um, you know, I had I had sent some of my my photographs of that off to Cliff Berrickman, and um, he he gave me a really good idea too, which I which I'll definitely do next time is instead of just swabbing the handprint, um, this is a good idea for everybody, is using graphite powder putting graphite mm-hmm. pen on it and then getting like a contact, a clear contact paper and, and putting it on there. So that way you can lift, lift it. So you can, you know, it's way easier to analyze that when you have it in front of you than it is a photograph. Yeah. And yeah. so you, you keep the print and you also keep all the, those SSLs that would have been left over on the vehicle. That's so, like, you know, yeah. hindsight's twenty twenty, right? For, you know, 15 years from now when I get another <laughs> car that has a handprint. But yeah, but I, I just, I just finished writing that paper today 
Um, and I, I sent it out for the first kind of round of, of peer reviews from some other investigators too. So, um, you know, once I get that back and could probably tweak it from, you know, from what they're saying, I'll, I'll put it out for people. I'll probably put either put a link to it in my IG or have people reach out to me if they, if they want a copy of it to read. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Whenever they send that, you tweak it. I want to read yeah. it, send it. So. Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Z? Yeah, so I've, I've been taking some notes um, and I some questions. And I'm assuming whenever, like I know the men, you mentioned the Sasquatch, you've kind of been following, they, they move around like a 60-mile radius um, mm-hmm. pretty much. And I'm assuming that's pretty much weather-related probably. Or, or I just think so. Like, uh, yeah, there. right, seasonally. Um, so the you know, those NIWAC guys is, you know, I, I, I read everything that they do and I listen to all their audio. I think they're, you know, they're doing an exceptional job. Um, but yeah, they were seeing these, you know, this subject that was tagged move where the tree cover was. Right. So, cause they had this thing for almost a year and it was tagged and, you know, when it, when the temperatures got colder into the winters, it was moving towards, you know, where all the pine trees were. Um, and then in the, uh, you know, when it started warming up, it would, it was moving to, I think it was deciduous. I always mix up the two, but, um, you know, it was following the cover, right? And so they had planes flying over this valley, picking up a radio signal and talking to the guys on the ground on four wheelers. And they, you know, they say, oh, you know, 50 yards over here, right? And they go and ride over there. And they were hearing knocks whenever they got close to where the signal is picking up the strongest, Wow. Yeah. That's some good uh some good recon right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do they do an exceptional job. Man, we need to hire a pilot. <laughs> well Yeah, they man. got a really wide variety of people there that have kind of joined their forces and um you know and have people that fly planes and you know, people in the military, people in the police force and um biologists, right? Everything they need to really get a well rounded group of people. That's well, that's smart. exciting to seeing this this grow. Like I know, uh, obviously, when twenty twenty came around, a lot happened, and over the years since, so many things have been coming out, and then more people have been more open minded to things, mm-hmm. and it's just so cool. Like the communities that are being built through this, um, and because it sucked, like people, I don't know, they would be ridiculed, even though they would literally have literally have the evidence, um, and anything from like a legit Bigfoot head, which I believe this Bigfoot more was probably a Yeti. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was found in the Elks, but it had, it had brown fur. I don't, I don't know. But, and the dude also had the arm of it. And he was talking about his experience and he said, no, I put this on ice. It's been in my, my freezer for, for years. Um, I didn't want to come out, but now that I am, and now he actually has it. And, but it's, it's crazy. Cause when you have that much evidence, somehow some, something happens to the person or the evidence just disappears or even if they sent off the evidence somewhere it'll get lost or the analyst will be killed or something it's it's crazy right well that's why people are freaked out about sending their evidence as you know yeah. it ends up getting destroyed a lot of the time and that's something that happened in you know one of the last two dna studies that happened it was for a tv show and um unfortunately you know a lot of people sent in some good evidence and it got destroyed you know when it wasn't used so um you know that's i think that's kind of a roadblock that they're running into with this new one is is getting people that are going to trust you know trust enough 
and and still you know maybe hold back a piece of it right just in case yeah well the, the way i oh god i forgot what the heck i was talking to but i was talking to a tony merkel about this a while back um he's the guy who does uh, uh the confessionals podcast but uh he uh we're, we're talking about why like on the possibilities on why the government or black box agencies cover up on um on bigfoot so they're thinking like okay money wise right um national parks trees are like a big cash cow everything's made with trees mm-hmm. you got your toilet lumber paper industry. lumber industry yeah if they came out and disclosed that either two things would happen either like the parks would completely shut down logging industries would shut down because they would name that as an endangered species right or you would get a lot of rogue people that would go out and try to hunt these things and a lot of people would actually get killed and yeah. uh it would just be just just a total mess but like but like ufos when they're coming out in disclosure like everyone's like yeah you know they really can't hunt them you really can't do anything to them but bigfoot that's a totally different story yeah that, I that's think, on our I ground think, on our playing field right yeah and i you know i i think the attendance in the national parks would drop exponentially yeah, totally. i think people would be super freak you know no one wants to go take their kids working around um yeah yeah, I think I think it 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 do a lot. It would to yeah. a lot of really lucrative industries. I mean, I think they definitely know about it. I mean, park rangers talk about it all the time. Yeah. Oh, well, it was funny. Um, Zook and I were at this uh, at this conference recently, and uh, yeah. we had they actually had a couple park rangers there. So I was like, "Hey, what have you guys heard? What have you learned? What have you seen?" And they just both mm-hmm. looked at each other. We don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, a good I was question. Like, oh, literally, <laughs> we're like this is a for, event. <laughs> yeah, for those people are, you know, what areas of this park? If I wanted to hike and not see anybody, where would I go? And kind of fish their brains that way. And you know, it was the fu- the funniest thing was on that last expedition we we did um, up in northern Iowa. A park ranger, and all he I saw Bigfoots on our shirts, right? And he came up, you know, approached us and wanted to talk to somebody about Bigfoot. You know, it's, you know, sometimes they come through this campground, you know, they've been known to. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think the government knows about it. I think the park rangers know about it. The national parks probably do too, but they just, you know, it's just kind of hush. Yeah, they do. One of our, um, one of our, well, one of our buddies, uh, Nick Valente, he was, um, he was in the military. He was in special forces and stuff like that. But he was also a part of like the critter crew. Is what they, yeah, yeah. that's what they called them. So they would send his team into like national parks and something if things went rogue. A lot of people went missing. So they would drop them in. They would close the park down. They would drop them in and they would go hunt this thing or capture mm-hmm. it. And then they'd bring it back to wherever they take it. So and then they'd open the park back up again, you know, because he said yeah. sometimes you would have like rogue. Bigfoots or rogue whatever that would start killing people, and then we have to go yeah, in and take care of it. Military bases too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think they're, I think they're tampering with, like mixing with DNA and stuff. I'm going off way left here, but I don't care. But anyway, so I anyway, know I thought that was pretty interesting. So. Yeah, well, I think that brings up um, uh, something interesting I wanted to bring up earlier, which was you know we brought up in several episodes, but 
you know, too many people were just looking down at the ground when they need to look up in the trees. And I know on our recent mm-hmm. expedition, that's what mm-hmm. I was doing a lot, even though there were, I mean, we were at a slant on the side of a big, a big hill or a mountain. Yeah. Hill. Yeah. And there were a couple of eyes in the tree line, which there had been a lot of, a lot of weird things in this area. I mean, and of course um, there was a massive cave behind her property. I mean, 50 foot from her house. Yeah. Her chickens, some of her chickens ended up missing. There was a massive stick. You can't get to her house unless you actually walk through on the yeah. front way because there's a massive, a massive creek that's about an eight foot drop. I mean, it's just steep. Oh, speaking um, so of footprints too. Seen anybody? They were seeing somebody. Yeah, speaking of footprints, I'm gonna send you this footprint that she sent us. I just want to know what your, uh, just like what, yeah, just like what your thoughts are on this. Though I'll, I'll I'll send it to you a little later, but yeah. Yeah, happy to look at it. But yeah, I think I think they're definitely in the trees sometimes. And I think, you know, why not put a juvenile if you had one up in a tree, mm-hmm. right? No one's looking up there, safekeeping. Yeah, that or if you want to pounce on something, drop down. Yeah, that too. yeah. we got you know known animals that do that. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking for one of a kind art that is sure to make you stand out from the crowd, then look no further than Drew's tags. Drewski has created a world of custom art that will take you on a wild ride through sports, space, travel, military, cryptids, and beyond. Whether you're a fan of Bigfoot, a reptilian, conspiracy theorist, or just someone who appreciates a good pun. Drewski has something for everyone. So why settle for a boring old print when you can have a custom creation that is as unique as you are? Reach out to Drewski today and get started on your one-of-a-kind masterpiece. Check out his Instagram link in the show notes. And and what about the different types of Sasquatch? Because I know we have, there is the Yeti, there's a Skunk Mm -hmm. Ape. Um, I, I'm just trying to figure out because I know we yeah, have we, all these different types. Yeah, the famous like Rens, Brown Jacks, Yowies. I mean, yeah, there's all different say. types, right? And that and that's a big part of me of and how this seems so you know so real to me is you know we have something like this on almost every continent, right? Mm-hmm. And each culture has their own, and these are you know cultures that have been reporting them for a very long time before we were all, you know, communicating, um, you know, intercontinentally. Um, and, you know, even, you know, in, in Vietnam, when our, when our soldiers were over there, right. They were yep. running into rock apes. Yeah. I remember that. You know, and, and it's, you know, it's people who aren't exposed to, you know, kind of how, I don't think the word I want to use, but just, you know, how Hollywood that Bigfoot's kind of become in the States and, you yes. know, the big, you know, the word Bigfoot, <laughs> yeah, in, in and of itself, um, you know, and they've, they've had reports forever, right? There's, I think the earliest one in the U.S. is the 1700s. People were seeing these, right? And the natives were seeing them way before then. Um, and I think, not to jump on back on the alien train, but, you know, it's a good case for the alien thing, too, because, you know, a lot of these tribes were seeing, you know, did pictographs of star people, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and, and 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 that's a good a good place, I think, to to look. And you know, was it not? I mean, it's not dog man, right? They call it skinwalkers too, right? These mm-hmm. things are popping up culturally all over the place, and I think that's a really strong argument for these things really existing. Yeah, it was it was funny because the recent. 
the recent um, expedition we went on. At first, we thought we were going to go track Bigfoot, and then it turned out to be a Skinwalker freaking expedition. I was like, oh, better you guys yeah, than me. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, dude, that was like not ready for it all. I started to question, yeah. I'm like, should I go? <laughs> yeah, and then it, yeah, it turns out. Thing. Yeah, it turns out that this area we were in, it was actually between uh, the Chickasaw, the Cherokee, and like Black Hawk or something like that. And they basically had a feud where they trapped three uh, skinwalker skinwalkers in this cave, and their medicine man basically trapped their souls into this cave. So, and then we okay, went, nice. and then we went freaking uh, caving <laughs> in this freaking awesome. cave. Wow. Did you guys hear, I don't know if you listened to, I heard it on Bigfoot Society podcast, um, but it was this this cop down by the land between the lakes. And, you know, I'm going to butcher the story in, in, you know, in its entirety, but he had, you know, met this, I think he was a firefighter, right? Who was camping on his own. The guy's like, you know, be careful, like some weird stuff's been coming into my camp. I don't know what's going on. And, you know, long story short, whatever these things were predated on this guy mm. and ate him. And they, you know, they had closed it down and there was, you know, cops all over the place. And um, that, that cop had also heard things kind of paralleling him when he was in the woods too. So yeah, that land between the lakes is nuts. Oh, yeah. It is. That was, stuff. there was another one too, back in the eighties where a family got killed too. It was that a was horrible a, story, man. That like, was a yeah, that was a big one. Reading about that. Yeah. 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 That line between the lakes is off the chain up there, man. I know. Yeah, I'd I'd love to see that you went to Basin too over um yeah. by Skinwalker Ranch and all those things. Because they just you know, they got tons of Bigfoot stuff, right? Tons of ghost stuff. They got you know, tons of alien stuff and it'd just be I think a great vacation. <laughs> what I know, right? <laughs> oh my goodness, I would I would love to go to Skinwalker Ranch, and then I mean there was a Skinwalker Ranch to the Me south over, around this area, um, but just out there, I remember reading the book. I forgot what it was, book, but it was more more scientific based, um, and it was just crazy coming from these people who didn't believe in this stuff at all, but the experiences they yeah. talked about, and then seeing like an, an actual humanoid, which ended up like it looked like a Bigfoot coming out of a portal. Was that the book? I can't remember. So it was George Knapp who wrote it, but it was about Neon Science. I think it was called the Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, yeah, because it it went into the that family that lived there that was ranching. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and the dude, some people like must have been an idiot. I'm like, no, that rancher had like his master's degree and like and like he was really smart, really really (gasps) smart guy. He just Mm -hmm. got the uh, the property for for a steal. Then he specialized, like he sold cattle and his cows were like 10K each. And yeah, yeah those, those wolves people. or whatever, skinwalkers, they were killing them off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and something like vaporized his dog. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, he followed, too. yeah, yeah and they were having weird orbs come woods. into the house. You know, the wife was having, you know, cooking utensils disappear that she just pulled out. That whole, yeah, that whole area is bonkers. I thought it was weird, like, like that weird claws or... What it, whatever it was, and in, in the deed where you said you just can't be digging on the land, but they would hear mm-hmm. continuous. It sounded like m- moving mechanical parts under their property. Yeah, almost like a base. Yeah, they're getting yeah, like sound under the ground. Base. <laughs> and, and that's what, like, when we're talking to one of our buddies, um, I know I don't know a lot, like, about you know, caving, but there were like just massive parts that were just cemented off. And this cave is about 
like her property is just like like an hour from civilization so it's just weird that it was there were massive just places that look like you can go in them but it was man like 20 feet just that was, it was just cemented over the only thing i can think of is like maybe it's because like the the property owner maybe there might be another entrance to the cave and they just didn't want anybody to enter so they cemented it but but there was a lot of concrete there's a lot of barriers in that cave that were concreted off though dude yeah I, I don't know, we kind of looked at the whole I guess like the whole, um, I guess like blueprints of it. That cave connected to the Mammoth Caves in in Kentucky. Yeah, I think Bigfoot definitely uses them. I don't know if they necessarily live in them, but I mean, why not duck in there if someone's coming? Right? Why not yeah. get out of the rain and the snow? Elements, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what we did when it got too hot. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was nice it was and cool awesome in there, spot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, um. And I do have one more question, but so do you have, or are you able to share like some upcoming expeditions you might be going on? Yeah, I have one coming up here in a couple weeks um, in Iowa, and I'm going on that one with Jeremiah Byron. So he's Bigfoot Society, right? He's also based out of Iowa. Um, and then uh, Tate Hieronymus is going on that as well. Um, if you, I don't know if you recognize that name from the small town monster stuff, but he's, he's Florida based. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and he does a lot too with the Bluff Creek project, you know, if I'm speaking correctly. Um, so they're going and a couple other people too, but yeah, we have, we have one coming up in, in Iowa that we're going to be doing. Um, that's the last one I have on the books for like, like actual expeditions, like overnight expeditions planned. Um, we, uh, the Wisconsin BFRO one's coming up end of September that should be a really good one too but we're closing on a house we're building that mm-hmm. same weekend right so I had to pass that one up but, uh, <laughs> no, um, congratulations on that <laughs> thanks yeah, right like, dang it but uh yeah I, I mean I do a lot of stuff on my own in the woods too and um so you know there'll be no short of that and, and I try to get out a couple times in the evenings if I can every couple of night or every couple of weeks you know um after dark but i don't stay out yeah just be careful seriously just Mm -hmm. be careful so yeah how big is your is your team on average um i like smaller groups personally um yeah you get more activity that way yeah like four or five six people um for like more of the private expeditions um Mm -hmm. some of the the bfro ones right they get groups up to 30 sometimes but that's huge yeah way too big for uh i know but the thing that we do is we usually try to have a couple bfro people there too so we we you know where we're going they're they're big big areas so we we split groups oh you spread it out yeah yeah and we send everybody in a different corner of the park that that looks good so we'll still probably only have three or four people um you know, and in in the areas like when we were in Minnesota with with the bears, because I mean, somebody had seen a. I was out hiking on my own in the daytime, and I don't know the other expedition people had driven up, and there's like a mom and her cub just walked out behind you and crossed the trail, oh, right? Oh, so you know, if we're in you know areas like that, we try not to do small small groups. Yeah, but we'll you know stick to four or five. How long, like, and I know there are a lot of factors to this, but um, how long are your expeditions on average? Um, private ones, uh, usually like three days, two, three days. 
Okay. Um, BFRO ones are typically, you know, would be Thursday, Fridays, four. Um, but I, I like to get up before other people get there too. Yep. When it's just, you know, maybe one or two other people, because uh, you'll get a lot of really good activity. And some people swear too by staying an extra night after everybody leaves. Yeah, they They've come and try to check it out. Crazy yeah. activity after that, because you know, they, I mean, they think the Bigfoot's just get. You know, why is this person still here? Leave. You know, you're not supposed to be here anymore. Get off my land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get out of my house. house. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like on our first Bigfoot hunt, it was like the day right whenever we were leaving that morning. They were freaking loud knocks. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to say anything, but it was the guy who was one of the biggest skeptics. It's like, man, them wa- the, the, the knocks just all woke me up. I'm like, cool. Yeah. So you heard yeah. the coyotes? I, I was an idiot. Like, I kept my tent yeah. farther from everybody to get, like, so, yeah, I went smart. So when I, yeah. I, when I first met Drewski. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I car camp usually when I go out. I just have an air mattress that fits in the back. Oh, of the you ready to go. Hit them keys. Man, Let's get Yeah, oh, see, I like it, too. Like, you know, I got these things off of Amazon. Um, it's almost kind of like a sock for your window, but it's a mesh. And it sits yeah. over the top, so you don't get the bugs in, but you can have your windows oh, down and you can hear everything, and you That's can cool. see out of your vehicle really well. And and but they can't see you. In. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Man. Okay. I think I need to do that yeah. too. So. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And you don't. Your camp never gets wet, right? You're never the person when it dumps rain. <laughs> all your gear. Well, uh, what? Well, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's funny is um I. I like to do like a lot of like bush bushcraft survival stuff. And um, mm-hmm. just when we went on this last expedition, everyone's in their tents and stuff. And I made like this, I made like this survival freaking like, um, like tarp tent girl. Okay. I got, I got bit up with chiggers like crazy. <laughs> that I mean, he looked like a freaking star system. Yeah. Like yeah. It was bad. That Minnesota trip. Oh. Oh my gosh. I, you know, when I, you know, I always talk about the mosquito being the state bird of Minnesota, but I was, you know, I was wearing, I like, you know, hiking pants, right. I had sweatshirt on completely covered and I was casting this footprint and these dang mosquitoes were going, biting me through my pants, biting my shoulders, my arms. And eventually I had to put on my rain gear just so I had something that they couldn't get through. But, you know, I got back to the car. I had 28 bites on just oh one my of my God. legs. Oh. <laughs> like your knees start swelling up and you're like, this is for the dogs. Like, I don't know. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, you got to yeah, you gotta watch out for those things. That's the nice yeah. thing with those windows, too, is you, you get the breeze, but bugs can't get in and get you. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. That sounds pretty good. Okay, I'm gonna ask you a question like I ask everybody else because I stole this from Wes Germer from Sasquatch Chronicles. What do you think Bigfoot is? Like, what is Bigfoot to you? A relic hominid, probably. Um, you know, more on the ape side than a, the on the people side. Um, yeah. You know, it's hard. I guess it's hard to know, and, and, and it opens the whole discussion of what what constitutes constitutes um you know tool usage and all those things but i think with what you know the information i have at my hands and you know the people i talk to that that i respect um i think it's you know it's a it's a completely natural thing in my opinion um you know it's it's some you know something that shares a lot of our you know our dna and isn't the same great ape family that, you know, people and chimps and orangutans and great apes all all fall into. Gotcha. Cool. Well, um, 
That's basically all I got. What about you, Zip? That was that was that yeah, was some good it. stuff. That man. was really good. Good, yeah. thank you. Yeah, we are. I, I, I am. Chart. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I am. I am excited for that paper to come out. So yeah. whenever you do, if you would please drop it in the, my Instagram box, that would be awesome. Yeah. I'll read through it. So, oh, I just sent you those footprints, by the way, Instagram via messenger. So okay. whenever you get time, look at them. So let me know what you think. So, but other than that, um, if anybody's got any questions, you guys want to get a hold of uh, Miss Ontario uh, Richardson, uh, where can people find you at? Uh, social media. So I'm on Instagram predominantly that's where i'm more more active on i'm also on twitter too i try to you know post what i post on instagram over there too but it's just you know it's just harder sometimes so i'd mm -hmm. say you know instagram um is usually the best place um i'm on facebook i don't necessarily post my bigfoot stuff on facebook um but you know if they you know can find me on there that's fine too um you know, email also is okay, but I think Instagram's the the go to place. So I'm on that more often than anything else. Gotcha, cool beans. Yeah, I will definitely send that to Zook, and we'll put it in the show notes on your Instagram. No people can reach out to you if you got any questions or concerns or anything like that. They just want to pick your mind. So yeah, absolutely. Well, all right. Well, dude, I thank you for coming on. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm actually you. I want to mind thank having you me back on again. Yeah. to hear how things are going and any new information and stuff you find out. So that'd be awesome. So we'll definitely keep Sounds in touch. Sounds good. Awesome. So. Thank you guys. All right, buddy, be right. safe and uh, congrats on your new house. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> thank what? you. Yeah. Thank, I know you, how, thank you. I know how it is moving. I hate moving. I, love <laughs> I know. It so much. I, I know. It's the worst. <laughs> it's like, man, <laughs> man, you never realize how much stuff you have until you start packing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, oh, that's where that that's where that hat's been at. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, you gotta dig everything back out. Right on. All right, buddy. We'll okay. get some rest. Appreciate you, and uh, we'll chat later. So sounds good. Bye. See you later. All right, buddy. Bye. Later. Bye. Hey guys, this has been an awesome podcast. Hey Ontario, we just want to say thank you, buddy, for coming on. Appreciate you, and we're definitely going to keep in touch with you um, and all your um, Bigfoot expeditions and stuff. So, um, yeah. Be safe out there. And uh, other than that, yeah, guys, uh, we just wanted to say uh, thanks for tuning in, stopping by, and uh, appreciate you guys. Um, just don't 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 forget, uh, Zuck and I are going to be over at the Crypticon in K Lexington, Kentucky in November. So, um, yeah, so go ahead and mark that on your calendars. We will keep you guys posted. And, uh, yeah, if you guys got any stories or any um, just anything like that, any stories or any encounters or like that, you know, just – Either hit us up or shoot us an email. Uh, it's cryptidwarfare at gmail.com. That's cryptidwarfare at gmail.com. And go to our website. That's cryptidwarfare.com. Or if not, you know, just hit us up on, on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. So that's at cryptidwarfare. All right, guys. Uh, stay safe. And uh, remember, guys, we're not just wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of this age. So uh, just remember, guys, something's giving you problems. It's not the physical it's what's behind it directing like them to do it right so all right guys be blessed be right. safe yeah. we'll catch y'all later peace hey call me d man hey, hey, hey. Yeah. i come with a fee don't think that i'm free i already know that sam a beast who sam a beast i already know i'm ready to feast this ain't for the week i already know you wait and see it's bigger than me i already know it's bigger than rapping I gotta mean it, I really mean it Don't be just thinking I'm snapping Off for no reason, I know you need it Somebody else that ain't capping 
Don't want no handshake, I know you're mad fake Nah, I ain't doing no dabbing I'm waking them up when you napping Peep this, I just pray for guidance I can't rock with people stabbing I got zero stitches I got levels, I got volumes I got plenty of switches See the funny thing about it I'm not ever switching That's right, I hope you get it Uh-huh, I come with a fee Don't think that I'm free I already know that say I'm a beast Who say I'm a beast? I already know I'm ready to feast This ain't for the weak I already know you wait and see It's bigger than me I already know you want me to lose I'm seeing the clues I already know we can't be cool You think I'm a fool I already know I beat my lows No need to flex I already know what can I say They say I'm blessed I already know I don't know who needs to hear this but uh Dun, dun, dun. You can't stop what God got planned dun, 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 dun. Look at somebody yeah, tell him you yeah, can't yeah, stop yeah, me yeah, dog. Dun, dun. <laughs> It's hey, deep, man. Right. They say I'm the nicest. Keeping the modest. Well, if I'm modest, man, I just wanna be righteous. I don't need a chain, I don't need a gang. I need to get rid of my vices. I came with a purpose, knowing it's worth it. Follow wherever the light is. You probably see me with a mic, cause I'm hoping you like it attached to who? You gon' see me beat my demons, that's a fact for you. Gotta watch out for them people that distracting you. Can't rely on no one else, I gotta stack some moves. Just relax, be cool. I come with a fee, don't think that I'm free. I already know that say I'm a beast Who say I'm a beast? I already know I'm ready to feast This ain't for the weak I already know you wait and see It's bigger than me I already know you want me to lose I'm seeing the clues I already know we can't be cool You think I'm a fool I already know I beat my lows No need to flex I already know what can I say They say I'm blessed I already know